am who it says I am. I, am who says I, am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the ability to articulate so that people will hear the uncompromising gospel of Jesus Christ. As I step back, I thank you for the Holy Spirit who's already here to step up to minister your word to your people. And I thank you in advance for signs, miracles, and wonders following our lives as we hear, receive, believe, and in our hearts purpose to go and do what we've heard so that the blessings of the Lord that make us rich and add no sorrow will continue to add to our lives. And I declare this to, to take place and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. I forgot to send our media department my notes uh, so you bear with them as they uh, put the notes on the screen as I actually give them out. But before I get into what I want to talk about this morning, I, I, I want to give you Pastor Eben's top reasons of why you still might be single. <laughs> Here's number one. You may be single. Because you're so negative that if you got married right now, you would divorce yourself. You're so insecure that you follow your dates to the restroom when you're going out to eat. You might be still single because you keep your house so junky that if you got married, your spouse would find your ex-girlfriend lost in the pile of clutter. You still may be single because your finances are so bad that everybody who dates you must file bankruptcy after going out with you. You may still be single because you have so many ex-friends tattooed on you that the only safe way to get married is to find someone who has a matching name. <laughs> You may be still single because you're so religious that when you go out on a date and the waiter asks, what would you like to drink, you say communion. <laughs> Some of y'all will get that when you get home. You still might be single because your kids are so bad that CPS refuses to pick them up. You still may be single because you have not had a fashion update in so long that potential dates asked you for your beeper number. <laughs> you still might be single because your standards are so high not even Jesus would qualify. You still might be single because you're so needy that if you got married, you will be arrested by the police for suffocating your spouse. Y'all know these are jokes, right? But they do have a slight truth to them, though. Here's the next one, then we'll, we'll, we'll get started. 
You're so in love with you that change in your mind are coins and not something that you need to do different. Okay, I'm going to throw this one in for the men. Your car is so junky that when you got stopped for speeding, the police gave you a ticket for too much junk instead of speeding. Now look at your neighbor and say, he wasn't talking to me at all. And look at your neighbor and say, you, you fit one of those though. We're in week number three of our Survivor Series, and this is a series where we separate our church, where we have a service for our married individuals, and then we come together and we have a different service for our singles. This service that you're sitting in is designed for single individuals, and if you accidentally came in as a visitor and you are here and you're married, I still believe you'll get something out of the message today. Now, last week we talked about how to break negative soul ties, and I saved a message that I was going to do today. I'm saving it for the finale of next week. Next week I will be talking about how to wait for your mate. I'm going to show you exactly what to do on how to wait for your mate God's way. Amen. And so if you're taking notes today, I'm talking about overcoming rejection. And the goal of the lesson is to provide each one of you insight on how to overcome rejection and accept you the way God has accepted you. So if you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 4, John 4, and we're going to look in verse 3. And I believe if most married people overcame rejection, a lot of them would not have been divorced already. Here is why. It's very difficult to expect someone to accept you when you haven't. It's very difficult for somebody to love you unconditionally when you haven't loved you unconditionally. It's hard for someone to accept you just the way that you are when you don't accept the way you are. And so I only have two major points for you today and I hope I can get through them. And uh, before we get into the points, let me just define what rejection is. Re rejection means to throw out as unsatisfactory. And then here's the definition of rejection that I believe a lot of single people do. Is that it means worthless, or watch this, to fail to accept. It means to fail to accept. And many people in life, especially Christians... We fail to accept who we are. So here's my first point if you're taking notes, and that is rejection affects our perception. Rejection affects our perception. Go to John chapter 4, John 4, and this whole story, I'm not going to read the whole story, but there's something in the story that I think will help you understand uh, what rejection is all about. It says in verse 3, he... Jesus, he left Judea and he departed into Galilee and he must needs go through Samaria. Then he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, which is near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there and Jesus being wearied with his journey, he sat on the well and it was about the sixth hour and there came a woman of Samaria to draw some water out. And Jesus said to her, give me something to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy some meat. Watch her response. 
Jesus only gave her a simple, you know, he said, could I have some water to drink? Verse 9, it says, then said the woman of Samaria to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, watch this now, she's rejecting herself, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Notice her response was one of rejection. And she did what most people do who want people to accept their flaws up front so they won't receive rejection on the back end. They throw out all their dirty laundry when they first meet a person. They just want to make sure that that person is going to accept them. Uh, I have kids. I had them when I was 14. His name is Johnny. And, uh, his ba- you, know, and you just start going through all the lists. And, and look, you just met the person. She just threw her laundry out there. She said, look, I'm the type of woman you don't even want to deal with. I wonder why she felt that way. Well, we'll see here in the story. Verse 10, Jesus answered her and said, if you knew, knew the gift of God and who it was that said give you some drink, then you would ask him and he would give you living water. The woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. From where do you have that living water? Verse 12. She says, are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus said unto her, whosoever drink of this water shall thirst again. Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. And I believe Jesus said that because anytime you take a substitute, you remain thirsty for the real thing. See, that's why some of you are in unnecessary relationships. Because you're thirsting for the real thing and the reason why the person you're with right now is not satisfying you. And I'm not talking about it in a sexual way at all. I'm just meaning that there's something about them that you know is not right, but for some reason you still want to hold on to them. It's, and, and the reason you feel dissatisfied is because they are a substitute. Look at your neighbor and say, are you dating a substitute? Now look at him again and say, you look like a substitute. (laughs) I'm just playing, I'm just playing. Don't throw no rocks at me. He said, but the water I shall give you shall be in him a well uh, of water springing up. Then the woman said, sir, give me this water that I thirst not. Neither come here to draw. Jesus said unto her, go get your husband. The woman said, oh, I don't have a husband. But Jesus said, yeah, you're right. You have no husband, but you've had five of them. Can you see why now she, she, she may have felt rejected? Okay, and this is what's dangerous. Uh, based on, on statistics, statistics say that 50% of marriages fail. And if those statistics are true, then half of my audience sitting here has already been married before. And if that is the case, then that means the potential uh, feelings of rejection may be there. I'm not sure why five guys let her go but I'm pretty sure she felt rejection from that. Can you say amen to that? And so long story short, look in verse 25 now. The woman said unto him, I know when the Messiah come who is called Christ, he's going to come and he's going to tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I am speaking to you, am he. And then his disciples came. Then watch watch this now because I thought this was interesting. Verse 28, she left her water pot and she went her way into the city and she she didn't just go to everybody. She just went to the men. Do y'all see that? She went to the men and she said, come see a man 
which told me everything that I've ever done. Is this not the Christ? In other words, what she was saying is what made her excited is she found somebody who could really tell her who she was. She found somebody who decided to not reject her even though he knew everything about her. He knew she had five husbands previously, but he was okay with that. And when she found somebody who treated her with unconditional love, it changed her life. This woman's initial response came from a place of rejection. And because of past rejection from the wrong person, she began to reject the right person. Amen. And that's what happens a lot to me, to singles, who don't deal with this rejection while they are single. If you don't deal with this area while you're single, then you may not even be able to discover or see who God has for you in your life. Because once you find yourself in this cycle of rejection, then it doesn't matter if God sends the right person, you will reject them. You know why? Because you haven't accepted yourself. Can I get an amen? Many people experience rejection so early that they don't have the proper defense mechanisms in place to overcome them. And see, there are two different types of rejection, if you want to write this down, two different types. You have self-rejection, and then you have the rejection of others. And rejection happens in several different ways. Here's the first way that rejection can happen that most people are unaware of, is that rejection can happen in the womb. And this is when rejection or denial takes place during birth. This sometimes happens when the pregnancy was a surprise and not planned. See, some of you in this room, you may have been rejected from birth. See, so that's why some people, they, they have abortions because they didn't want the baby. Well, some people, because of religious reasons and because they know it's not right, they choose to still have the baby, but on the inside, they don't want the baby. Well, guess what? Those feelings of not wanting the baby passes down. Watch this now. It passes down to that baby rejection. And so some of us have been uh, since rejection from the womb. Here's the second way that rejection comes. It's through relationships. And this is when a person is rejected by a person who they have been or are with in a relationship. It can be an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend. And, uh, you know... Uh, I, what's interesting is when people break up, I'm amazed at all the things that they say about the person that was negative, and I'm thinking, but you was with them. Oh, so now she ugly. She wasn't ugly when you first met her. Oh, now he fat. Well, he, he, ain't, he ain't lost no pounds since you've been with, him, been with him. I mean, what is it? It can come through an ex. It can come through a parent. Some of us have experienced rejection through our parents. Parents, you know, you'll never be nothing. You, you know, I, you know uh, your daddy don't love you and, and uh, whatever. So it can come through a parent. It can come through a friend. And that's why you have to watch who you're friends with. Amen. And it can come through a coworker. It can come through anybody that you establish a relationship with. So it comes through. It can come through birth. It can come through relationships. It can come through life experiences. And this is where, you know, you have gone through something and it seemed to have devalued you. In other words, you got fired. Now, you know, you take that person. It's like, oh, man, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not good. What I do is not good. Or, watch this, you may have been in a group where you weren't accepted. 
that can create the feelings of rejection. Or you, you could have experienced racial rejection. You know, I, I love America, but we're, we're just not there yet. I mean, we're better. At least Martin Luther King's dream has come to pass. But how many know he still needs to be dreaming? Amen. And look, our church is an open interracial church, and here is why. First of all, that's the heart of God. But secondly, my family's interracial, so why wouldn't I be open to that? Everybody's not open to that. Amen. And so uh, you could have experienced racial rejection. But either way, rejection will cause you to reject what you should accept. Now, rejection sounds something like this. Uh, Man, I don't think I'll ever find somebody to marry. Why would you say that? You know why you would say it? Because you haven't fully accepted you. And if you haven't fully accepted you, then why would you think somebody else would fully accept you? What about thoughts like this? Uh, I wish my nose was smaller. I wish I had stray hair. Stray hair. I wish I was light-skinned. Come on now. I just wish I would have went to college. See, whether all those things in there, God loves you anyway. Amen. And sometimes rejection will cause you to accept a substitute or something artificial because it's comforting to us. See, a weave should not comfort you. It's, it's okay to wear one. It's okay. If I was a lady, I would probably wear a weave too. But, but it shouldn't make you you. Amen. Brother, you can just go ahead and shave the rest of the hair off, man. Just, just your, 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 your hairline's way back here. Okay, go on and shave it. Just shave it off. Listen, well, I don't want to see my bald head. Well, but, 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 you know, wearing hats all the time. You got, a wet, you got a hat on on your wedding day. Come on, brother. Just, just go ahead and just shave it off and be okay with a bald head. Amen. You know, you saluting way back here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Here's the thing about substitutes. They satisfy for a while, but the shallowness of it will always recreate the state of discontentment. She had five husbands. Now, here's how rejection works. Let's get into this because I'm out of time. Here's how rejection works. It starts in the soul, and then it moves over into the heart. Everybody say it starts in the soul, and it moves to the heart. So here's the question. How do we cure rejection? How do we cure it? Well, the only remedy for rejection is injection. I'm going to say that again. The only remedy for rejection is injection. Hebrews chapter 4, go there. Hebrews 4, we're going to look at verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12. The only remedy for rejection is injection. See, you have to get a different viewpoint 
of who God says you are. In Hebrews chapter 4. And here's the problem. Most people, even married people, they don't have a good sense of who they are individually. And then they connect themselves with someone else who probably feels the same way too. You have two half people trying to make a whole. Well, two halves don't make a whole. Two wholes make a whole. <laughs> Hebrews 4.12, look at what it says. It says, for the word of God is quick. That word quick means alive. And it's powerful. And the word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And the word is able to pierce even to the dividing of the soul and of the what? Spirit. Remember I said now, what happens is, in order to cure rejection, you must, you must have an injection. He says the word is able to defy, divide the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. And the word, watch this, can discern our thoughts and even the intentions of our heart. The spirit and the soul, they're so close together that they must be separated by the word. And here's the problem. When your soul is in control, your spirit man can't stand. See, your soul, we were never meant to be led by our soul. Never. That's why God created Adam's spirit first. It says in the beginning, man created, God created man in his own what? In his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And then when you keep reading, he went from now creating that man's spirit. He now put a man. Uh, then he created that man's body. And then he breathed into that man the breath of life. And that man became a living soul. The soul did not come before the spirit. The spirit became, came before the soul. And so guess what? We were never designed to be led by our souls. And that's why some of you are so emotional. Because you're led by your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions and how you feel. And you wake up every morning and that's what's guiding you. God did not design you to be led by your soul. He designed you to be led by your spirit. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. So how do we overcome rejection? Here's my point, second point so we can close here. The way to change is to rearrange. Everybody say the way to change. Is to rearrange. In other words, in order to overcome rejection, we must change from being rejected and rearrange and receive acceptance. In other words, remember I said we weren't designed to be soul-led. We were designed to be spirit-led. So most, of, most people who experience rejection and it's still affecting their life, their soul is here and their spirit is here. And I'm saying the only way to change that, we have to change and now rearrange. We now have to put our spirit on top and let our soul be led by our spirit. You say, well, Pastor Evan, how do I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked me because the way to do it is we first have to start valuing who God says we are. Amen. Let me say it like this. We must value who God says we are. Over what others say about us. We must allow his word, which are his thoughts toward us, to change us, watch this, from the inside out. See, when you see and you accept yourself from the outside in, you become performance-driven and fleshly. But when you see yourself and accept yourself from the inside out, 
Watch this. Now your view of you is the way God sees you. See, when I see myself from the inside out, it doesn't matter how big I am on the outside. It doesn't matter how I look on the outside. It doesn't matter how tall I am, what my skin color is, what my hair texture is. It doesn't matter because my value is not on my flesh. My value is on my spirit. Amen. Psalm 19.7. Go there. We're going to close right here. Oh, man, I'm out of time. Uh, Can I have five more minutes? Okay. Uh, Go to Psalm. What did I tell you to go? Psalm where? 27? 19? Go to Psalm 19. Go to Psalm 19. Uh, And uh, let's look in in verse 7. Let's start there. Psalm 19, verse 7. Let me show you how you got to start rearranging your life now. In other words, what other people said was what, what, what used to be more important to you. Now I'm saying, let's make what God has said about you more important than that. Psalm 19.7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect. It, it converts the soul. Everybody say, converts the soul. In other words, God's word is able to convert your soul. And the word convert means to turn back, to return to the original starting point, to refresh and restore. I love the NIV version of uh, Psalm 19.7. This is what it says. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Amen. So there are three things that you and I must do to accept who God has created you to be. And you know what? I learned this lesson by teaching this. I was doing a Bible study years ago with my dad. And as I was teaching my dad this Bible study, the principle of, watch this, walking in who God has called me to be activated in my life. Life has never been the same. You know what? You can call me what you want to. Don't bother me at all. Amen. You don't even have to like me. It don't really bother me at all. You can ask my wife. You know, it don't matter to me if you like the kind of car I drive. Look, I I, I used to drive a hoopty. How many know what a hoopty is? I used to drive a hoopty. Man, I was leaning in that hoopty. <laughs> Had cigarette butts, holes in the car seats. and every, I mean, but I was leaning. You know why? Because I made the car. The car didn't make me. Amen. Watch this now. Three things you got to do to accept you as God created you. Go to John chapter 1, John 1, and we'll do it like this. The cure-all to rejection is receiving what God has said about you. John chapter 1 verse 19. So here's the first thing you got to do is you got to know his word. You got to know his word. John 19, John chapter 1 verse 19, this is what it says, and this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem and they came to John to ask him, watch the question, who are you? Look at your neighbor and say, who are you? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed. He says, I am not the Christ. Notice John knew who he wasn't. Because when you know who you are, you know who you're not. Oh, you can call me a bee, it don't matter. I'm not a bee because I know who I am. He said, oh, oh, I'm not the Christ. And since he didn't ask the que- answer the question, they said in verse 21, they asked him, well, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said what? I'm not. You know why? Because, see, if, if you don't know who you are, people have their own idea of who they think you ought to be. 
Well, since he said that he wasn't the Christ, they said, well, who are you? That, uh, are you this person? See, and that's when people start trying to connect you. Well, you just like your mama or you just like your dad. No, I'm just like me. And if you notice here, they ask him, well, who are you? Are you Eliza? Elias. And he said what? He said no, verse 22. And they said unto him, well, who are you? So we may give an answer that sent us. And then notice what they said. What do you say about yourself? And that's the question of the day. What are you saying about you? Because what you say about you, watch this, is what makes you you. Oh, God can say what he wants to about you, but it's not until you accept what God has said about you that you become who God wants you to be. He said, they said, well, who are you? What do you say about yourself? And his answer is what needs to be your answer. It says, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. What he said to them was, let me tell you who I am. Uh, God said it back in the book of Isaiah, so let me just read it to you. I'm the voice of one. In other words, he was saying, I am who God says I am. And I can do what God says I can do. And I can be who God says I can be. And I will have what God says I can have. What he said was, I am going to be what the word says I am. Whether I feel like it or not, my feelings don't run me. My spirit runs me. You got to know his word. And then you got to grow in his word. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sensitive milk of the word that you may grow. Listen, when you know that word, it's different when you know it and then don't grow in it. See, when you just know it and you don't grow in it, you become a religious person. You know what's right, but you don't necessarily do what's right. You got to know his word. You got to grow in his word. And then here's the last one. You got to sow his word. Begin to say what God says about you instead of how you feel about you. Next time you look in the mirror and the thought comes, girl, your eyebrows look like an off-road. You know, off-road ain't got no... mm. Instead of now agreeing with the thought, you're going to say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Next time you meet somebody and and, uh, they say, oh, I just want to be friends, don't let the devil say, oh, because you're not handsome enough for her. No, no, no. You just have to say inside of yourself that I am the head and not the tail. I'm not below her. I'm above. You got to have a conviction that what this says. See, when I got this right here, do I care what people think? Let me tell you who I care that thinks about, you know, who I care. My wife, of course, who God says I am. And uh, my pastor and, and uh, some spiritual fathers in my life. But let's just say all of them, you know, didn't see me like God says. Then I have a filter that's built in that if that filter, if if what comes in, if it doesn't line up with this, it gets filtered out. Yeah. And there are some people in this room today. The only reason 
God has not released a person in your life is because if they came, you would reject them. This is an area that God wants you to get straight right now. Well, every, every head bowed right there. Every head bowed. There are some people in the room. You've been wrestling with you. You've been wrestling with how you look and how you feel and what's happened to you and your past and all that. And it's a continual cycle of wrestling. And you haven't settled the fact that God loves me. Therefore, I'm going to love me. You'll never be perfect, so striving for that is something that will never happen. You don't need to be perfect to be loved by God. So why do you need to be perfect to be loved by you? So if you're here today, you say, Pastor Evan, I've been wrestling with me. And today I'm going to decide that the Word of God is going to be the only thing that I'm going to allow to make me me. I'm not going to let my soul lead me. I'm not going to let my feelings lead me. I'm not going to let my flesh lead me. I am going to be led by my spirit. And I'm going to believe and trust and walk in what God has said about me. If you've been wrestling with that, you've been wrestling with yourself, I want to pray for you today. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, Evan, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Oh, I see hands all over the place. I see hands all over the place. Keep them up. I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Keep them up right there. Father, in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. The name of Jesus is greater than the name rejection. And because it is God, we call that name Jesus right now. And Father, I thank you and I command the spirit of rejection to seize his hold on the lives of those whose hands are raised. I break that curse in Jesus' name and it will no longer haunt you from this day forward. And Lord, I thank you that whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And I declare that they have been accepted in the beloved and because they have, they are now accepting themselves. And I decree this now. And I command the wrestling to stop and the acceptance to start in Jesus' name. You can put your hand down. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Evan, if I die today, I'm not.